0: what is today is former secretary of state mike pompeo he was a cia director uh... he was uh, secretary of state he was number one in his class at west point so who is better to talk to about what's going on in the world than him well mister secretary nobody really understands uh... what's really going on in russia ukraine what's going on with the wagner group um, and uh, where, where should we begin?
1: So, John, it's great to be with you again. Let's, um, you know, I've heard lots of people pontificate, say they think they know what's really going on inside of Russia. I would just urge us all uh, to watch and be cautious about what we really know both took place and what is, what's going to take place in the future in Russia. Um, it's, it's pretty opaque, and lots of people telling stories, and they are classic propaganda. So I'd start there. But here's a couple of things we we do know for sure. I've I've heard people say this was a giant false flag operation. I can't imagine that. Um, The the risk to Vladimir Putin's reputation, real or perceived, is just too great. You wouldn't do this kind of thing. And by the way, very hard to keep something like this as quiet as they did for as long as they did with the hundreds of people who surely would have had to have known if they were going to conduct uh, just a, a giant, pure propaganda operation. So I think Pergozin was serious think he was trying to convince Vladimir Putin that he is the answer, not the problem. I think I think Putin has been being told by his uh, senior military leaders, uh, General Grasimov and Minister of Defense Shoigu, that Progozin was getting too big for his britches, to use the colloquial term. Uh, and I think they're beginning to push back on him and constrain him. And he didn't like that. Uh, remember he owns a global private mercenary operation in Libya, Syria, in the Central African Republic. I mean, this is a Purgozin's not some small bit player in this docudrama, uh, and so we should we should all be aware that Pugazhenthsen was trying to figure out how to get leverage over them. Maybe not to overthrow Putin; it's hard to know, uh, but that Putin will see this as something that is just a bridge too far. And much much like Xi Jinping went after the leaders of commercial enterprises that had gotten out too far and he felt like threatened his power, I'm confident Putin began to see that Pugazhenthsen was threatening his. And he will clamp down on all of this. No, no, no. One individual will be given the scope and the power that that the leader of the Wagner group, Prigozhin had been given. Putin simply not going to permit that. There's too much risk to his continued tenure.
0: Um, uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, the way we discussed it a couple of days ago was uh, was that uh, Prigozhin only had eight to ten thousand that were marching on on Moscow. He can't hope to take over Moscow with eight to ten thousand people and maybe Putin was just waiting to see if any of his generals will jump in with them.
1: Uh, Does (laughs) that sound... uh, It's it's uh, plausible. It's absolutely plausible. I think Pergozin was waiting to see if any of those generals would jump in with him as well. I think he was hopeful that much like in times of the the Romans, (laughs) will the Tenth Legion join me, right? (laughs) Will, will, Will we find some other general who thinks better to cast my lot with Pergozin than with Putin? And it turns out that uh, he was marching to his own drummer.
0: Yes, and uh, uh, and, and people that know Putin now say that uh, uh, Prigozhin, I don't know. Is he a dead man walking?
1: Oh goodness! You know, um, I wouldn't insure his life, John, if I had to take <laughs> that kind of risk. Uh, so, but but hard to know how he'll play it in the medium run, but or in the short run, but in the medium run. Uh, Pergson clearly took a chance. You know, I had a had a fellow teach me when I was a young soldier decades ago, you know, lieutenant if, if you're gonna if you're gonna take on the king don't do it with a nerf bat. And uh, and he did. It failed and he is not likely to find grace from Vladimir Putin again, and whether that ends up with him, you know, drinking some bad tea or just permanently in exile, it it's hard to know.
0: Now, the other uh, statement I made, I said uh, uh I feel better with Putin being in charge than somebody else that might be worse. I mean any gut feeling in that? Am I wrong?
1: Well make no mistake, John. Um I think I sent out a note when this was still when he was still on the march. I reminded everybody there is not a good guy in the lot. Purgozin is a, a thug. You you may remember, John, that back in I think it was two thousand and eighteen, um the Wagner group in Syria under the leadership of Pergozin began to threaten American soldiers. Uh, they were coming across the Euphrates River, and they are putting our guys and gals at risk. And so we killed 300 Wagner mercenaries that night, sending a message of deterrence to them. And so, no, Prigozhin's not—it's not like, gosh, I wish he'd have won and things will get better. Um, he was a thug. He's probably more even uh, a criminal than Vladimir Putin. And so this would, this would not have been a victory for the West uh, to see Prigozhin in charge. A victory for the West looks like a successful effort by the Ukrainians to maintain as much territory as they possibly can.
0: Understood. Now, the other thing going on, it is seems to be, and it started with Saudi Arabia, a loss of confidence uh, in uh, dealing with uh, Washington. Uh, Saudi Arabia has aligned themselves partially with so many other countries. And the other day, I heard that China... Uh, made a deal with uh, New Zealand. I mean, where did that come from?
1: When you, you, this is this is national security one hundred and one. When you demonstrate either weakness or incompetence, or in this case with the Biden administration, uh, a little bit of both, or maybe more than a little bit, uh, the the your friends begin to doubt you, right? So the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, who who helped us so much build out the Abraham Accords begins to sense that the United States is no, no longer willing to do the things necessary to protect itself and to be a good partner and friend. And you start hedging your bets, and that's what you're seeing all across the world. Uh, the story of New Zealand, there were stories in the tiny little outposts in the Pacific Islands, but that matter a whole lot geostrategically, certainly in the Middle East. Um, they're watching Xi Jinping, who picked Putin in this conflict, and they're watching the United States that has not demonstrated resolve, and they saw the debacle in Afghanistan and they said goodness this is a green light to put uh, uh, to put the pedal to the metal and try and create risk for Americans see how far we can push before we meet steel and that's a, a really precarious place for not only the United States but for our friends and allies in Israel for our European friends for the Japanese and the South Koreans all of our allies are counting on America to lead and when we don't we jeopardize those relationships and we put those countries in a really tough spot
0: um Agreed. Um, Taiwan is still number one. Uh, uh, Secretary of State Blinken has visited China. Uh, and I don't know what really happened, and I'm, I'm not sure the American people know uh, what, what, the, what, what what happened. But I was with a, a military guy the other day, and he jokingly or seriously, I don't know if he's joking or serious, saying, well, if the Chinese... We should send a signal. If the Chinese try to take Taiwan, we should take over Cuba and Venezuela and anything else in in the northern hemisphere the same day. Uh, Is that crazy?
1: That that um, it, it it seems like uh, what's that in case of emergency, break glass yeah. uh, theory. Um, you know we, what we instead should do. And 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 look, we we should absolutely protect uh, our our geographic position and these South America, Venezuela, Cuba, uh, Mexico, all of those, right? We have to make sure that these are friends and partners, not not hosting the Chinese and the Iranians. That, that's certainly true. But the most important thing we can do is to demonstrate that the United States, when it draws a red line, it really means it John. right? If, if we say, yep, we're going to be there to support the Taiwanese, we should do that now. We should do that today, not after they've been attacked or invaded or the political pressure gets so hot that they can't stand it and they politically capitulate, probably the most likely outcome. That'd be really bad for the United States. And so today's the day to begin to help the Taiwanese prepare to defend themselves. Much as um, we waited too long to help the Ukrainians get ready, we we shouldn't wait too long to help the Taiwanese do that. I'm I'm convinced that if we do that, they'll, they'll do that. They'll make Xi Jinping think once, twice, three times before he begins to try to undermine the stability on the Taiwanese island.
0: Agreed. Uh The big picture, uh, Sunday morning, the America, um, all America is drinking their, uh, their cup of coffee. Where do you think we're going? Right now, it's not a shooting war. It's, I don't think it's a cold war. The new technology or new terminology, uh, I've been saying it's a worldwide economic war because North America wants... Uh, $65 oil, uh, Russia, Saudi Arabia wants $90 oil. So it's definitely at least a worldwide economic war going on. Would you describe it in any other way?
1: Oh, John, I've, I've talked about this much the same way. There is no doubt that the Chinese Communist Party has been at war economically with the United States for 20, 25 years, and we just refuse to acknowledge it. They, they, they grew their economy on the backs of the American worker. Uh, and that's the exact kind of war that you're describing, right? They stole our technology, they took our jobs, then they took the product and dumped it on the American market so that U.S. companies couldn't compete. That's the, that's the most important space in which we need to uh, continue to maintain. And, you know, as you're sitting there drinking your coffee on Sunday mornings, i urge everybody who's listening, a couple things. First, uh, we ought to get it right around the world. But the most important thing we have to do, is we've got to educate our children that this is a great nation. They need to they need to love this country. We are not a racist nation. We're not the force for evil in the world. We're the force for good. And if we're teaching our kids that uh, you know uh, everybody's racist, we're going to think about groups, not individuals. If, if we're not going to teach them basic math and reading, we're going to do other things. Then then all the stuff we've been talking about this morning, John, won't make a hill of beans difference. So. Hug your children. Make sure you know what they're learning in their schools. And if the teachers are teaching them garbage or filth, get in there and get after it and fix it. Make sure that the next generation loves our country the same way that you do, John.
0: I agree. Uh, I think uh, there's forces out there that are trying to change our way of life, uh, change our country. It happened in Venezuela in five short, in, in 20 short years, and we we they, have to keep they our they eyes can go open. Fast
1: nope, that's a good point. It can go fast. It can fall away faster than we think. And I'm praying and I'm, I'm confident that the American people will uh, rise up, uh, take care of our families, take care of our children and teach that next generation. And we'll get another 250 great years here in the United States, John.
0: I agree. Secretary uh, uh, Pompeo, thank you so much. And Happy 4th of July, long weekend, and God bless you, and God bless America.
1: God bless you. God bless you. Happy 4th of July to everyone. So long, Thank you. Bye-bye. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide.